All right, guys. So uh, time for episode six of Behind the Trades. I know you guys have been um, eagerly awaiting this episode. So uh, we're going to jump in here. And uh, the topic of the day today is uh, being a roller coaster trader. Now, this is going to be a bit of a um, uh, <laughs> uh, biographical uh, discussion of my trades for the month of uh, for just last month. Now, I finished the month with $28,000, which is not bad, but I had some pretty big swings in the PL to get there. And that's what we would call, um, you know, the roller coaster ride. My goal as a trader is, you know, sort of two things. One is, you know, to find the best opportunities each day, but then um, secondly, to manage my risk in a responsible way so that, you know, if I do have um, setbacks, that they're not giant drawdowns. Uh, but unfortunately, I was not really good at doing that in, um, uh, in the last month. So today we're going to talk about the roller coaster trader um, and what you can, what it's like to be one, and what you can do to try to smooth out some of those big ups and big downs. And then what we're going to do is um, uh, do some Q and A where you guys can ask me questions. Uh, so we'll have a Ask the Warrior uh, section at the very end of this episode. All right, now um, let's see. Before we jump in, um, of course, we're also going to review my weekly stats for this week. That's one of the things I like to do for you guys. So you can kind of get a sense of, um, you know, where I ended the week. And we'll go over uh, the big picture and then also the best and worst trades uh, for this week. All right. So uh, my starting balance on January 1st was $583.15. You guys probably know that already. I started this week with $105,242 and I made... 12,630 bucks, ending the week just under $118,000. So overall, you know, this is a pretty fantastic week. It's actually one of the better weeks I've had um, in a couple of weeks. Um, last week, I only made like 4,800. And the week before that was 9,700. The week before that, I lost um, 7,200. And then the week before that, I made 17,000. So, you know, that kind of is a little bit of a highlight or a preview of some of the big ups and downs I've had uh, in the last few weeks. Interestingly, uh, my accuracy this week was really on point, 78%, which I'm really happy with. But my profit-loss ratio was just slightly negative, 15-cent average winners with 17-cent average losers. So that gave me a 1 to 1.13 profit-loss ratio. Now, as we know with profit-loss ratios, if you trade with one-to-one, -one, uh, meaning you make 100 on average and you lose 100 on average, you have to be right 50% of the time in order to break even. This is our risk-reward ratio. But if you risk 100 uh, to make 200, right down here, you only have to be right 33% of the time in order to break even. So you're setting the bar so low, it makes it easier for you to be successful. And on the other hand, if you uh, risk 200 to make only 100, you have a negative profit-loss ratio and you need to be right 66% of the time to break even. So there are traders who could trade with 78% success and still lose money if their profit-loss ratio is 1 to 3, meaning they lose 300 on average and they make only 100. That requires 75% to break even, uh, not including commissions. 
So from a just purely by looking at metrics, you could look at the metrics of a trader and understand whether or not they should be profitable. Now it doesn't account for the fact that on your one winning trade, you know, you may have taken 25,000 shares and it blows all the losers out of the water. Or that on your one losing trade, you might have taken 25,000 shares and it blows all the winners out of the water. So, you know, there are certainly um, variables, but when you look at these metrics on the surface, 78% accuracy with a 1 to 1.13 uh, profit loss ratio, is that a profitable um, statistic? Are these metrics profitable? And the answer is yes, they are. I'm, I'm you know, up here in success and right around here in profit loss ratio. So this is anywhere up in here um, with that profit loss ratio and that accuracy is going to be profitable. Now, when we review the metrics, um, we'll also go, we'll go through the metrics for last month, which, um, you know, will be, will be good to see and compare them to what I did this week. This week for me was, um, I was really disappointed with myself for losing 5,000 last Friday. Um, I was disappointed with myself, not because I lost money. Losing money happens as a trader. I had trades today where I lost money. I was disappointed with myself because I pushed it way too hard for a Friday and I chased a really bad setup. And I knew I should, I knew before the bell even rang that I needed to not chase. I needed to trade smart. And then for some reason I got impulsive and just jumped in and was instantly down like a point. So, you know, I, I was, I was frustrated with myself. And so I said, you know, coming into next week, I need to be disciplined. A quality setups only, only trade pullbacks. If you can't print out the chart and look at it and say, yeah, that was a pullback entry, then you shouldn't be taking the trade. And so this week really reflects that kind of, um, um, you know, that extra push to be really disciplined. And uh, the accuracy shows trading better quality setups is better, better profits. The profit loss ratio is not always the best uh, reflection of that discipline because what it shows to me is that my winners were smaller, which means I took profit a little bit sooner. When you take profit sooner, it does increase your accuracy because if you get into a stock at the apex point, there's a good chance it'll break by 20 cents or 30 cents. So, you know, 15 cent average winner says that, you know, you got in and most of the stocks went up because you were in at the right place. Getting the 30, 40 cent winner, that's a little bit more challenging. And in order to get a 30, 40 cent average, you're going to have to hold longer, which means sometimes you'll be up 15 cents and it goes red. So as a result, your accuracy goes down, but the profit loss ratio goes up. So those two really are, um, you know, they go hand in hand. Now, uh, my trades this week, uh, the best trade of the week was on Monday morning on PRAN, P-R-A-N. Now, I was aggressive on this trade because I had made really good money on it uh, last week, and it was hitting the scanner, being a former runner, a low float, a great daily chart, volume spiking. It had everything that I look for in a setup. So I bought a one minute micro pullback underneath the half dollar of 350. So my entry was right here at 344 and then adding at 350. And this went up uh, 60 cents per share. It was awesome. A super just easy trade. Picture perfect. It squeezed up. It was halted. It opened um, just a little lower, popped up to 410 and then it rolled over. So just a nice, easy 20% squeeze for my entry. Now, this is something that we also saw quite a bit today. We saw it on um, CLNT, CHNR, CH, uh, 
SSKN, CETC. So we've seen stocks uh, this week getting, you know, kind of, um, you know, that extra squeeze, that extra momentum, squeezing into a circuit breaker halt, opening higher, etc. So when we have that type of market, I definitely am encouraged to be a little more aggressive to try to capitalize on those opportunities. Because we'll also have periods where uh, we don't have circuit breaker halts, where we don't have stocks squeezing up 10%, and we just kind of have to make do with smaller gains. Now, my worst trade of the week um, was on the 7th, and that was LPTH. Now, this one was actually not a big loss for me, and so worst trade of the week. I actually don't have a trade this week that I would say I was disappointed in myself that I took it. I, I really don't. This week was was fine with those types of trades, but this was just a really big rejection. I got in at 295, anticipating the first one-minute candle to make a new high on a micro pullback. We popped up to $3, and then we immediately got a rejection, and it dropped down almost 50 cents to 263 or something like that. Now, I kept a tight stop on this. As soon as it broke below 290, I bailed out, but I got slippage down to 285, and so that cost me about 250 bucks with 2,500 shares. Now, this is the type of stock that, although it's not, it wasn't a good trade and obviously it was a loser, it showed restraint. Because sometimes when I see a big seller sitting at a level like $3, I'll think, you know what? If this guy moves out of the way, there's a good chance the stock will pop. And so I'll watch him. I'll keep waiting. I'll let it pull back. I'll let it come back up again. And sometimes I'll even add to my position to buy some of the shares that he's selling. The problem is, if he's a hidden seller showing 10,000 shares, but he's really selling 100,000, just because I buy 2,500 more shares doesn't it's not going to move. You know, he's just sitting there holding strong. And now I have a bigger position. And when it goes and does this rejection, this is the type of place where in the past with 10,000 shares, I could lose, you know, $1,000 on every 10 cents. So from 95 to 85 is down 1,000. 85 to 75 is down 2,000. 75 to 65 is 3,000. That could have been a $3,000 loss in that one candle. I mean, yes, it popped back up, but I think this was a good example of me showing some restraint and not being too aggressive. And this was the day where the market wasn't as strong. And so I really was able to taper and throttle my risk this week based on the type of market conditions that we were seeing. So on Monday, I was aggressive. Now, I may have been aggressive in part because I was trying to you know, get back up on the horse after you know, getting knocked down on Friday. And there's a natural instinct to do that. But I saw an A-quality setup on Pran that I was able to do that on. So I jumped in and made 6400 bucks. On Tuesday, market was a little slow. I only made 1200 And I say only because it felt like a pretty slow day. But my daily goal is $1,000 a day. $1,000 a day is $250,000 a year. And I finished last year with 222000 So, you know, 1000 a day keeps me on track. Obviously, you know, we're at day uh, 66 right now, or 60, yeah, today's day 66 of the um, 100K uh, challenge that, Started at $583, build it up to 100K. So right now, this account is at $118,000. So you know that's $2,000 a day average versus $1,000. So I'm trending well above that. But any day where I'm you know coming in with only 800 or only 1,000 at this point, it does feel like a a small day. So. But going back to the ability to throttle risk, I throttled down on Tuesday. And Wednesday, Tuesday I made 1,200. Wednesday I made 1,200. 
Thursday, I made only 750. Okay. Now last week I had a similar experience. Last week I had uh, two days on I, on Wednesday. I made only I think it was only 400 bucks, which felt like basically nothing. And then on Thursday I made like 114 bucks, which again was like basically nothing. And instead of having the presence of mind to say, the market is slow, I need to taper back my risk, especially on Friday, statistically the day of the week that I do the worst. Instead, I just like, you know, came out of the gates swinging. And that's kind of like coming out of the gates swinging and you're blindfolded. I mean, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, you've got no focus. You're just, you know, gung-ho to be aggressive and there's nothing to be aggressive on. And you know what? The market is always stronger. And the market showed me on Friday, um, you know, that I need to scale back. And so I lost five grand. So this week, I was really pleased that I was able to experience three slow days and not allow that um, or to, well, that I was able to experience those three days. And then on Friday, I was able to come in and say, look, the last few days have been slow. I'm going to start off easy today. And that's why I started with smaller size. And then once I had a cushion on the day, I was able to build up a little bit, but I never took 10,000 shares today. I didn't go, you know, crazy, super aggressive. I was just more moderate. And then those gains stacked up. And so I finished in the day with $3,000. All right. So um, now the topic of the day today for episode six of Behind the Trades is a month of big ups and big downs, a roller coaster trader. That's what I was last month. Um, after four red days, I had lost $15,000. That was my longest red streak. I, I don't know the last time I had four consecutive red days. I mean, you know, that really was pretty bad accuracy. So four red days in a row cost me $15,000. And then I made back $25,000. So I, I surged back up, and then I had another setback losing $5,000. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down the metrics and the statistics for um, the month of, um, for the month of March. And so you can see all the trades that I took and you can uh, really get a sense of, um, the, you know, the, the, the details underneath these kind of broad brushstrokes stats. All right. But before we do that, um, I want to show you a course that, uh, this is my broker statement for the month of March. So I finished the month with $28,588 and 17 cents, which in this speed trader account, put me up $63,411. Now I traded um, for the first part of the year, and I'll move this up here. I traded for the first part of the year in um, SureTrader because SureTrader only has a $500 minimum to day trade. So I put in $583 and I traded with SureTrader until I hit $42,930. All right, and these are my statements from SureTrader. And then that was on February 6th. I transferred the money out. February 7th was the first day in Speed Trader. I started at 41000 minus uh, the wiring fees and stuff like that. And from that point forward, I've been building up the account. So that's why uh, the 63000 plus the 40000 put me at 100000 So that's why I'm not at 100 yet in my Speed Trader account. So it's combined profits. But uh, the total equity at the end of the month was 105000 $242, which was, of course, my starting balance here at the beginning of the week. Now, we'll go over um, the trader view stats in one second, but I just want to show you, you know, this is something that's very rare. A lot of traders, and for those of you on um, Facebook, I'll show you my uh, statements here. Uh, a lot of traders don't do this kind of thing. You know, they don't show you their statements, and that's fine. I mean, I, I don't have, you know, any, any real strong opinion on it, um, but here's the deal. 
you know, when I make a claim, like I took $583 and I turned it into 100K, there are people who are going to be, um, you know, a little skeptical about that. And you can understand that because it's a pretty outrageous claim. And so I'm going to back that up with my broker statements. And, you know, that's important for me to do, um, you know, for liability. I mean, you know, if a regulator wants to come and look at the website, uh, which is fine, and they see this guy says he took $583 and turned it into 100 k well, all they really have to do to figure out if that's true is click where I say performance disclosure, and they'll see here's my broker statement. So it's like, okay, yeah. It's real. He's just a good trader. And that's important for me to be transparent and, um, you know, to show you that these are uh, real gains. And this is all the result of the strategy that I'm trading every single day and that I'm teaching um, to all of our students in the classes. It all comes back to being able to manage risk, trade the right stocks and find the intraday patterns. OK, so anyways, um, I just wanted to show you guys uh, my statement there. So $28,588 in gains. Now, uh, the big picture, oops, the big picture here um, is my trader view stats. These are always off by like a dollar or two because of um, uh, the transaction fees that are, cr are credited or debited at the end of the month and are not part of the Dash Trader export into um, uh, trader view. All right. So big picture here, $28,556, you know, basically the same. Average winning trades for the month, $1,386. Average losing trades for the month, $1,169. So this tells you that my average profit-loss ratio is positive. I make more on my winners than, than I lose on my losers, but not by a lot. Average percentage of success, 63%, which is a little on the low side. Total number of trades was 63 so if, you know, 25, 20, let's see, probably 22 trading days in the month or something like that. Let me just check back here and I'll know for sure. So let's see, we had 5, 10, 15, 20, 23 trading days in the month. And I don't think I took any days off in March. So looks like a full 23 days. Uh, so, you know, an average of about three trades a day, which is pretty, pretty much what I, you know, tend to figure I do, you know, three trades a day. Some days might only be two, other days might be four or five. Average hold time, 13 minutes on winners, 14 minutes on losers. Holding those losers may be a little too long, um, but that's okay. Uh, total fees, $3,200 in ECN fees, total commissions, a thousand bucks. So, you know, then that's my total gain, um, 2,800 after commissions. So total gain before commissions and fees, I guess would be like 30, you know, 33,000 or so. And so I guess my fees and commissions amounted to roughly 10% of my profits. But, you know, it's just, you know, the per trade transaction fee and then those ECN fees that add up. Largest single trade gain, $6,330.69. Not bad. Largest single trade loss, $5,592.75. And I remember it. And that's a big loss. I mean, you know, let's be honest, that's that's a pretty big loss. Uh, on that trade, I think I had 12,000 shares or 15, and I lost about 30 cents, 35 cents. So, you know, not only did I lose 30 cents or 35 cents, which is a pretty big loss in terms of, you know, cents per share, I had massive size. So, you know, when that happens, I mean, you just get um, smacked in the face by the market. So this is the... Um, you know, one level beneath the surface um, of the $28,000 total gains. 
my profit loss ratio, and my percentage of success. But let's continue to look a little bit deeper. All right, so uh, I import all of my trades to TraderView. Now, our students, um, I, of course, encourage you guys to do this as well. Uh, students that are part of our Warrior Pro class that do this um, can make me their mentor, and I can go and I can actually you know, log in and look at your metrics. Uh, for students that are in the classes, though, you also have um, the Fancy Stock Trading uh, Simulator, and you have that means if you're trading in the simulator, you will show up on our leaderboard. So let me just take a look here at um, the simulator today. Let's see. Um, so here today, you can see Ken, my boy Kenneth, he's up $48,000 today. I'm not sure how he did it. He's He absolutely destroyed CHNR. So good job on that one. Um, so he's having a good day in the simulator. Obviously, I encourage you guys to trade the simulator as though it's real money. So if you're buying massive size, that may not be realistic to what you would trade when you go live. And the thing is, even if you figure I am going to trade with 5,000 shares when I go live, you know, once you, if you have a week of doing that and your first week is a little bit of a, a tough week and you lose on, you know, four out of five days, you're going to be down like $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 in your first week of live trading. So you always want to trade in the simulator with smaller size. And then when you go into trade with real money, you start with smaller size and you scale up. It's better to build your confidence like that and then increase share size as, you know, confidence and experience is going up. So in any case, we've got 261 traders in the simulator today who are green out of 495. So about 500 traders in the simulator. Um, and we can kind of look at some of the trades. CLNT, yep, that was the big mover today. Um, you can see here from 560 all the way up to $10 a share. Jake, let's see, he traded CLNT. He actually lost money on CLNT and made money on AKTX, which is interesting. I wonder if... He was holding this short, uh, long, long, short, and then, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, and this I think this shows, exemplifies the challenge with some of these really volatile stocks. Um, AKTX, another one there with Aaron, uh, Rue, LN, CLNT, nice. So you'll see on days like this where... Um, you know, a lot of the traders who have made money are trading CLNT, CHNR, CETC, SSKN. These are the stocks I traded today as well. And this is one of those days where you've got a lot of people in the simulator who are up a lot. Some of the days earlier this week, um, and I noticed this especially last week when I had a day where I only made $114, I logged into the simulator and I realized that I think the biggest winner of the day was like a $2,000 winner of everyone in the simulator. And only 20% 20, 20 or 25% of the traders in the simulator were green, and the, the rest were red. So it's like, take a hint, you know what I mean? Like, if the market is choppy, you have to scale back. And so that can, be, that can mean when you're down 200 bucks, you call it a day, and you don't push it. Uh, or you're up 100, and you say, look, this is not an easy day. But that can be difficult for beginner traders to recognize and kind of have that presence of mind to be able to throttle back risk. Uh, based on sort of external um, conditions, like what the overall market is doing or what the small cap market is doing. Today, we had strength in the Chinese stocks, which, uh, you know, is gave us some good opportunities. So in any case, um, students that are in the fancy stock trading platform, uh, your results will show up uh, here on uh, the leaderboard. So you can click on your name, and uh, then we can pull up 
uh, your metrics, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. I mean, it allows you to see all of the same stuff that I'm seeing with uh, real money, right? So these are my real money reports over in TraderView, but these reports are really similar for those of you trading in the simulator. So this is um, uh, percentage of success for this student is 50%. Uh, average profit per trade is only one cent. His average winners are $921, average losers, 750. So, you know, that's actually not a bad profit-loss ratio, 1.22 to 1. Largest gain, $20,000. Largest loss, 15000 And he can start to get a sense of his metrics. You know, what days of the week does he do better or worse, you know, et cetera. He does badly on Mondays and badly on Fridays for whatever reason. Price range where he does the best for this student is under $20. Definitely above 20 is where he's losing money. So I can draw those same, uh, you know, review those same types of metrics for my own trading. And it really gives you some insight. If at the end of the month, you look at your trades and you see this, what type of changes would you make? You'd probably say, I should, I should ease up on my trades on Mondays and Fridays. And I should probably ease up on trading stocks over $50 or at least be more cautious and use smaller size if I'm going to do it. And then time of day, he makes the most money between 9.30 and 10.30. And then the rest of the day is kind of, you know, he, you know, it's sort of so-so. I mean, gains in general, except for uh, between 1.30 and, and 2.30. But that may have just been one big loss, you know, for all I know. So in any case, um, I just, again, emphasizing the importance of these metrics. So these are the metrics for me with real money. And you can see how, uh, since I started at the very beginning of the year, my first green day was $156. Second day was like, you know, 200 bucks. I mean, I was grinding on really small profits until I finally had a big day where I made $1,900. That was the biggest day. Finally, on the 12th of January, I had a big day. And then I had a $900 day, and then I had a $2,500 day. So these three days were huge in my uh, my growth of this small account. Had a little bit of a you know couple slow days, couple slow days, and then boom, back to good days. $2,100, $2,400, and then a $7,600 winning day. And this was a massive day, and it was followed by losing $5,500 the next day, which was a, the first red day I'd had, and it was a big red day. So that's kind of the roller coaster, way up and way back down, right? And then way back up, up 4,000 and then up $15,000, which was crazy. That this right in here is where I crossed over 22,000 and I broke 25 and then I went straight to $40,000. Pulled back a little bit on just some slower days and then another $10,000 day and then two back-to-back -back red days where I lost, between these two, about $9,000. So again, this sort of roller coaster, these big moves up and then the big drawdown. And you can see in all the red days I've had this year, and there's been, um, this was up through the end of March, uh, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I think we've got 10 or 11, there's five, I think we've got 11 red days here. But all of them, almost all of them, are like a four or $5,000 loss. So these red days are really pretty ugly. And you can see on my equity curve how i moving up and then a pullback. Moving up and then a pullback. Moving up. And then this was the pullback that I experienced in March, where I had four back-to-back -back red days. You know, four back-to-back -back days where I lost between two and $4,000 each day. 
And so that set me back from 100 and, let's see, I hit a high of 100 and, uh, oh, this is gross. Let's switch to net. So I set, I set a high of, I think it was $101,000. And then I had a pullback down to about 87000 So it was really a sharp pullback. And, you know, I was like, dang it. You know, I just hit $100,000, $100, my goal, and now I've dropped 15000 This is ridiculous. Slowly, I was able to rebuild, and it took about two weeks for me to get back to 101000 Because the next five days were all small days. I didn't have a single day where I made more than $3,000. You know, it was like 2000 1000 1500 So slowly making my way back up. And then I had three really good days. You know, I had a $4,000 day, a second $4,000 day, and a $4,200 day. So three back-to-back -back days where I made like 15000 And so over the course of this push, I made uh, close to 25000 from 87 up to 97 and then up to 110 And then I dropped down on the last day of the month, $5,000, back to 105 So from, the, from March 8th, day 44, until March 31st, which was day... 61, I only made $5,000 because I was on the roller coaster. I was going up and then down and then back up. And think about the stress of all of that. You know, it's like the, I mean, it's not, it, you'd say it's not stressful to make a lot of money, but it does take a bit of a toll because, you know, you have a huge win and you, you know, kind of feel excited. You get maybe a, a extra sense of confidence, which then leads you in to, you know, the, the drawdown. And then, you know, you're overconfident, you're complacent, and then you have the drawdown. And having these big red days is definitely stressful, especially for me, because everyone's watching me. And, you know, people are like, you lost four days in a row, like, you know, you're pathetic. I mean, that's, that's, it should be embarrassing. And so, you know, I have that added pressure, which is probably why the last day was the biggest red day, because I was just like, getting more and more frustrated. And then, you know, finally starting to turn it around. So wouldn't it be nicer if I could go from $583 to $100K just making 1000 a day, you know? And, and sure, maybe it takes a little longer, but it's just slow and steady. I mean, a slow, steady equity curve sure would be nice, but that's not how the world works. That's not how the market works. Every single trader goes up and down and up and down. Minimizing the down and learning how to control the drawdown is really what separates uh, traders who will be successful long term. And so you could say that, yes, I have controlled the drawdown because I, these days are not more than $5,000, which is good, you know, relatively speaking. Doesn't mean those are good days, but they're fairly consistent, if, if anything, you know, they're consistent red days. And I consistently bounce back from them. And I consistently make more on the next leg up than I lost on the drawdown. You know, so that's, uh, you know, obviously uh, what we look for. But let's dig a little deeper here into uh, the trades for my roller coaster month. So I'm going to filter this down to just the month of March. And so here's the P&L uh, for March. We went up to 24000 on the month and then down to being up only 10000 on the month, which was not good considering we were in the middle of the month. And then sideways, sideways, finally back up, back up, and then a little bit down. So you can see I had five red days in the month of um, March, and all five of them were, you know, were pretty significant red days. So look at the details here. We've got the details, which is uh, the total gain, my profit-loss ratio, my percentage of success. Now let's look at my performance by day of the week. Mondays was 
the best day. And Fridays, I only made thirteen hundred dollars uh, total for the entire month. So you know, Friday was really not a good day for me. Uh, let's look at the price of the stocks I traded. Price performance by price, I made the most money, almost all of my gains on stocks between two dollars and nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Below two dollars, I only made two hundred fifty seven bucks. Above ten dollars, I only made like looks like maybe four hundred dollars or five hundred dollars. It was not much. Okay, so performance um, by price shows that my gains were predominantly on stocks between two dollars and um, ten dollars. All right, performance by volume traded, obviously on stocks where I was more aggressive, I made more consistently because of share size. Larger positions generate bigger returns. Now, this is the total number of shares, even if I got in, got out, and got back in. So I don't think I had any trades in uh, the month where I had more than 20,000 in one position. I think the biggest was 15, maybe 17,000. But, um, but when I would add and take them back and then add back, it would uh, give me that type of uh, stat instrument. So this is interesting. These are the stocks that I did the best on and did the worst on. Now I had more stocks in general that I did well on just because I, you know, I finished the month green. But what's really interesting is my performance by the instrument's volume. Now I always talk about the importance of trading stocks with high relative volume, right? High relative volume is an indicator of some type of catalyst. And it's definitely indicative of high interest by retail traders. As retail traders, you know, we're buying stocks. And so the stocks that we're trading, um, you know, today, for instance, uh, CLNT, look at how high the volume is on the daily chart versus what's average. Super, super high above average. CETC, this is super, super high above average. It's probably, you know, a thousand percent higher than average. C CHNR, same thing. These are the type of stocks that I trade. And my metrics show exactly that. Uh, that's down here in performance by instruments relative volume. Stocks with a relative volume of 150% and higher is where I make money. And I did the best on stocks with relative volume of 300% and higher. So although some of those stocks had lighter volume at the time I got in, the stocks that had less than a million shares of volume, I actually lost $8,000 on. I did not make money on those stocks. The stocks that close the day with one to two and a half or more in volume, two and a half million, are the ones that I did the best on. So I do better on stocks that are going to have higher volume. And what brings in that volume? What brings in that volume is typically a catalyst, some type of breaking news, whether it's earnings, it's FDA announcements, it's clinical trials. It could be you know, any one of those things that brings the volume into the, into the stock. So the majority of my gains were on stocks that were experiencing high relative volume, which is exactly uh, what I teach in the classes and exactly what we uh, emphasize every single day. Um, let's see, prior days relative volume for a lot of these stocks was very low because suddenly they came up on the scanner as a gap and go setup. So yesterday they were not in play, like CHNR for instance. Yesterday the relative volume was zero, but then today, this thing jumped up and was in play. Same with CLNT. Two days ago, relative volume was nothing. And then suddenly there's a catalyst and it starts to make a move. So, you know, these are the types of things that are interesting to see. If you, for me, to see that I'm really red on stocks that had lower volume tells me that I need to be more cautious on how I trade them. Maybe trade with smaller size. It's the lower volume stocks that don't have as much liquidity. And then if I end up with a really big position and I want to stop out, I'm going to have a bigger loss because of slippage. 
All right. Now I can also look at uh, market behavior and see if there's any you know indicator there. And it shows that performance by the SPY movement that I did better on days when the market was down slightly. Whether or not that is, you know, I mean, I know that that is generally true that on days when the market's up quite a lot, I don't do as well. But if we looked at the overall market for the month of uh, March, we'll see that there were quite a few red days. So it may be just a coincidence on, on that type of short um, time frame that, that I made more money on those red days. Now, I want to look at my um, win-loss days here for a second, because uh, this is kind of interesting. So this shows you my total winning days, uh, which were $48,000 in profit. I made $48,000 last month. The problem is I turned around and lost 19 of it. 19000 was down the drain in, in stupid, unnecessary losses. So I finished with only 28000 So the average daily loss on my losing days was 3800 bucks. That's, you know, a pretty bad loss, especially when you compare the fact that my average daily gain on a green day was only 2800. So, when I'm losing, I'm losing more on average than I make on a green day. The good news and the only thing holding me together uh, in terms of my trading account is the fact that I'm right more than I'm wrong. I only had 22% uh, of the days were that were red. So, you know, I've got that going for me, but if I was looking at these metrics and they, these were the metrics of another student, uh, I would say, look, we need to tighten up the red days. These red days are, are just too much of a drawdown, and you're giving up too much profit. You know, you're taking essentially two steps forward in profit and one full step back. You're giving back 50% of your gains. I mean, that's almost what happened this month. I mean, not quite, but, but close. You know, you can look at the stats of the average hold time on winners and losers, uh, winners and losers, et cetera. Um, you know, but the biggest the biggest takeaway is that on my losing days, I'm only right 23% of the of the day of the time on that day versus 78% success on my green days. So remember this week, I had five green days in a row. And what did I say my accuracy was this week? 78%. Five green days, really solid, 78% accuracy. And here on my red days, when I have red days, my accuracy is just really bad. So if I have a day where my first two trades are red, what should I think about that? I should consider that a red flag. I, could, I should consider that a warning because I typically only take three trades a day, right? So if I take, you know, three or four more trades, and they're, even if they're both, they're all green, I'm still going to have pretty bad accuracy. I'm not going to have 78% accuracy unless I take, you know, 10 more trades and the, the, all of the next ones are green. So if I have a day where I lose money in the first 15 minutes, I'm much more in, I need to be much more inclined to say, that's it. I'm throwing in the towel. And one of the things I did this year is uh, for the first time in probably three years or more, I increased my max daily loss to $5,000. Now, I increased that with my broker so that if I was down more than $5,000, I wouldn't be able to initiate a new trade. It doesn't mean I couldn't continue holding a position that was down five, six, seven, eight, or 10,000. It just meant I couldn't take a new trade. Now, in the past, I had always had that level set at minus 1,000. So if I dropped down 1,100 on the day, I couldn't keep trading. But I have found earlier in the year that there were days that I was down 1,100 in the first five minutes because I was trading with a really large size. 20 cents on 5,000 shares, you're down 1,000 bucks like that. 
that doesn't mean you can't bounce right back if there's a good quality setup, right? It, but the question is, the fact that you lost right out of the gates, is that enough of an indicator, regardless of the fact that being down 1,000 isn't that big of a deal, should that just be enough to say, look, I'm not having a good start to the day, I just tripped out of the gates, maybe I should you know, throw in the towel completely. I don't know. I mean, the challenge is that there are times where you'll do that, and then, you know, an hour later, a stock pops up, you know, like uh, CHNR, for instance, and gives you what could be an A-quality setup. So I guess the question is, this to me is an A-quality setup, but is it not an A-quality setup if you're already down $1,000? I mean, is there no such thing as an A-quality setup when you're down that much because you're going to be more impulsive or because you're, you know, you're going to be cloud, your judgment's going to be clouded by the fact that you had a bad start to the day. I don't know. I mean, to me, I have been trying to get better at trading out of the red. So if I'm down 500, a thousand or $2,000, I can keep trading and get out of it. I have been able to do that on some days to the point where I got myself back up to green. You know, the fact that I held some of these losing trades on my winning days for 21 minutes on average is because, you know, some of them I really thought had the potential to go back up. Now, obviously, if they had gone back up to become a winner, they wouldn't be in the losing trade column. They'd be in the winner column. But that's probably also why my winners are a little bit longer. It's because, you know, some of them I did hold through the red and then they finally came back up. So just something to be. Uh, you know, a little bit mindful of there. Um, and uh, one last thing here, we can look at the days and times and see that, you know, my biggest drawdowns were on Fridays. Fridays were the days that I lost the most money. So it really, for me, has to become a priority to have the presence of mind every Friday morning that, okay, it's Friday morning, I need to scale back a little bit, I don't need to, uh, you know, try a swing for the fences. If I can hit 500 bucks. If I can hit a thousand, that's great. But if I can't, that's okay too. And I could just step back and know that, you know, the next time I have an A quality setup, I'll be aggressive. And that's really uh, what I did today on this Friday. And that's really um, kind of the approach that I've had all week was to focus on A quality setups. I got one awesome trade in the beginning of the week that gave me twelve, that gave me $6,000. And then because of that, I had the confidence to say, you know what, I can hang my hat on that, on that $6,000 winner and now just trade smaller size. But all those smaller size trades added up to an additional $6,000 in profit, which is why I'm finishing the week up you know, just under $13,000. So I want to try to carry this attitude into next week and through the month of April. And I think that if I'm able to do that, I will see my accuracy through the month, um, you know, come in quite a bit higher than I had for the month of, uh, for the month of March. So the month of March was 63% accuracy. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what I can do here uh, for the month of, of April to try to, um, you know, learn a lesson uh, uh, from you know, the previous month. And I think that's what we should all do as traders. You know, look at our previous month's statistics and try to draw some uh, some good conclusions from that. I know a couple things right away that I can do is trade less on Fridays, number one. Number two is try to keep tighter stops so I don't have $5,000 losing days. Number three is if I start the day in the red, 
maybe take that as an indicator that I should stop trading completely or cut my size down drastically so I don't have that $5,000 uh, drawdown. And then I guess lastly, you know, continue to focus on A-quality setups because when I hit one solid trade, I, I really only need one solid trade a week to make $5,000 a week. So if I get two solid trades each week, that can be $10,000 a week. And then in between those really solid A-quality setups, I can just let the small gains kind of stack up. All right. So um, that's, uh, I, I think that kind of uh, wraps up my um, uh, review of my metrics for the month of March. And uh, it definitely shows you, you know, that I was a bit of a roller coaster trader, a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, and I want to try to smooth that out for the month of April. I don't want to have myself going up to being up 25,000 and then losing half of it. That's not a good way to trade. I mean, it's stressful and it's it's really not fun. So if we look right now um, at the very early metrics for the month of um, April here, we're only I've only got uh, four days of metrics because I don't have today uh, imported yet. But I've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So you know, nice, slow, and steady. And you know, that's I mean, that's that's the goal. So. Uh, you know, the accuracy is going to be, actually, this shows you that it's even higher, um, which is interesting. This shows 91%. I wonder why I was showing it at 78%. But in any case, oh, it's because because of my losses today, because um, I had a couple losses. So 78%, but 91% for Monday through Thursday, which is awesome. Average winners, $931. Average losses, 250 Average hold time for losing trades was only one minute. Talk about bailing out quick. Breakout or bailout. Average hold time for trades that worked was 12 minutes. All right, so this is something that I would like to see continue over the next few weeks. Um, you know, that this could be a real game changer for uh, my metrics for the month of April. But it'll also come back to whether or not we have good A-quality setups. I could maintain these metrics for a whole month, potentially, and only make you know, 15 or 20,000 on the entire month if we don't have really big winners. You know, if we don't, if I don't have them, then I'm not going to have a $50,000, $60,000 month. But if I can maintain these types of metrics and have the good fortune of A-quality setups, you know, three to four times a week, I could, then I think I could really crush it. So anyways, um, that's it for the metrics. So uh, let's jump back in here and um, we'll do a little bit of uh, Q&A. Um, and you guys can tell me a little bit about uh, how you did this week, what are uh, some of the things that you were struggling with, and your best or worst trade of the week. All right, guys, so let's see. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. I'm just going to look at questions here. Some questions on Facebook. Um, looks like not too many questions on Facebook, mostly just comments. So, all right, well, let you guys ask questions if you have any. Um, those of you in chat, let's see. So, uh, Manuel, uh, brokers, yes, you can import your trades from SureTrader into uh, TraderView. You, you, you absolutely can. Um, so that's an option if you want to. That, SureTrader doesn't have these types of reports. Um, you would have to, uh, you know, basically use TraderView. This is third-party software 
that um, I guess has an API directly through or directly to um, the broker. So like right here, you can go and you can select any one of these uh, brokers. Now, Fantasy Stock Traders as a, as a simulator is on here and you can import your trades if you preferred for whatever reason to use TraderView instead of the student leaderboard. Um, you know, I, I don't know why you would, but because this is free for students, but you could if you want to. Um, and yeah, you can just go and you can import Lightspeed, Merrill, um, Interactive Brokers, Options House. I mean, you know, you can really import trades from almost anywhere, which is awesome. So you get them imported and then you go to your reports view and then you can start breaking down your stats. So I, if you don't, if you're not already doing this, if you're trading with real money and you don't know these stats, like it's a hundred bucks a month. I mean, and I'm, I don't get anything for telling you about this. Like I just use it as an, I think it's a great tool. So, um, if you know you want to know your metrics, I would encourage you to check it out because you know it's it's one of those things. Like if you don't know your profit loss ratio, you don't know your percentage of success. I mean, you're kind of trading blind. I mean, you're just you're lacking. How do you make decisions about how to improve your trading if you don't have valid data to base those decisions on? And we talked about this last week. You know, when Starbucks goes and puts in a new coffee shop, you know, around the corner, they don't just do it because they're like, you know, there's a vacant space. You know, they do it because they did some extensive research on, you know, is this a good, what's the foot traffic? You know, what's the driving traffic? Where's the parking situation? I mean, it's, it has to be a really detailed analysis that, that then the decision is based on data. You can make really confident decisions when, when you have something strong to base it on. Uh, Alvin, the difference between a stop loss and a trailing stop. So a stop loss is when you put out an order uh, to to which is your max loss on the stock. So let's say CLNT. I'll get in here with hotkeys. I'm in with a thousand shares, and with Control T, I press a, I, I place a stop order, and that stop order is down uh, about ten cents. So what I can do is I can go to stop, and I press I press the stop price. So let's say I want to get out of this at you know 850, and I press sell. Now I have a stop at 850. Now, a trailing stop will, if you, if you use a 10 cent trailing stop, as soon as the stock moves up, it'll, be, it'll stop you out 10 cents below high of day. So if a stock is just running up, but it won't stop you out until it drops 10 cents off high of day, and then you get taken out. So that's a great way to stay, into, stay in a position longer, potentially. The only thing is that when stocks make those pullbacks, often you know they're kind of hard and quick sell-offs, and you'll get slippage to the downside. So you may end up actually getting stopped out 20 cents or more, depending on the type of stock. So the loss could be a little bit bigger. All right, I'm going to delete that cancel order and close it out. Let's see. Um, Russell, I don't have a metric on how often I buy in anticipation of the breakout, but I know that I do it a lot. And the reason I do it is because when I look at a stock like this, CHNR, I look at this and I see that there is a apex point. The apex point of this bull flag is the first five minute candle to make a new high. That's at 58. So if I see lots of volume coming in at 54 and 55, I might buy in anticipation of the first five-minute candle to make a new high. I would rather buy early than miss the breakout. And of course, if it ends up being a false breakout, like exactly what we saw on CLNT today, 
I'm if I'm in just a hair early, then you know I the loss won't be quite as as bad. I can see it starting to fake out. I get out, and because I'm in early and I stop out quick, the loss will be a little smaller. Um, let's see. Let me look at some other questions here. Um, do, 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 do. Um, how do I control selling on the ask versus selling on the bid? So that's a good question. If a stock is moving up, I always try to sell on the ask because I get the best price, right? You can sell on the ask or you can sell on the bid. When you sell on the ask, you're getting the best price, but you have to wait for a buyer to come buy those shares from you. So when a stock is strong, I sell on the ask. If the stock is weak, there's no buyers to buy my shares on the ask. So in that case, I have to sell to someone on the bid just to bail out. So selling on the bid is when the, you know, kind of the bid is bad and the ask is, um, you know, is uh, amazing. There you go. Think of it like that. Sell on the ask because it's amazing. Sell on the bid because it's bad. But, you know, again, if the stock is going up, you're selling on the ask. If the stock's going down, usually I'm selling on the bid. I never buy the bid because the problem is if I want to get into a stock at the apex point, buying at the bid um, is below the apex point. If there's really a rush of buyers coming in to buy that apex point, I'm not going to be able to get filled at the bid price. If a stock immediately drops a lot, like all of a sudden drops 50 cents, I mean, obviously I try to, uh, you know, I try to avoid being in that position or having a large, uh, you know, position when a stock could potentially have a big pullback like that. But if it happens, I usually try to get out by waiting for the first pop. But sometimes I hit my max loss before that, before I can wait or before I can do that. And, and then I'm just, I'm out. So someone mentioned CETC is halted. I didn't check that or I didn't see that. But, um, you know, the risk is certainly when you have a stock, let's see how much is this one up? This is up 101% halted right now. So, you know, when you have a stock that's up 100% or more and there's no material news, then the exchange can ask the company for to respond to why their stock is trading up 100%. Um, and that's what happened with DRYS. And then it's, it obviously opened a lot lower. It's interesting that CETC is halted, uh, but CHNR, let's see, how much is this one up? Uh, CHNR is up only 30% right now. So that one's not as bad. Um, CLNT is up 26%, which isn't as bad. Um, CCC, let's see, there's a couple other ones. CCCL is up 9%, CCR is up 80%. So, yeah, I guess CETC was the one that was up the most. Only made 60 bucks on it, though. But, you know, that definitely does, that is a, a thing to remember that the longer you're holding a position, the more your exposure risk goes up. 
that the stock could get halted and you know then you're stuck holding it until it resumes trading so you know if you're in the short position it'll probably work out well unless the company puts out news or something um but you know this is one of those reasons why for me i am aggressive on my share size but then i mitigate that risk by trading for short periods of time i wouldn't feel comfortable holding 10,000 shares or 20,000 shares for two or three hours. There's just too much risk in all of that time. I'd rather go in, be aggressive, and get out, kind of like that spearfishing um, you know, analogy where we're just looking for that you know, perfect setup and then striking. Uh, so uh, you know, that's gonna, be, that's gonna continue to be my plan for the month of April, to be aggressive on A-quality setups, um, try to book those profits, and in between the A-quality setups, I'll just sit tight, I won't push it. Uh, I'll let the market come to me. And uh, I think that that's, it's really carried me well through this week with five consecutive green days and uh, nearly $13,000 in gains. So uh, I don't see any reason not to keep it up going into next week. This was a good week uh, to kind of set as a uh, benchmark of, of where I would like to, uh, what I would like to achieve consecutively. And of course, if I did $12,000 a week, I mean, I'd be making over half a million dollars a year trading. So it's also not bad from a dollar standpoint, but uh, more than just that, the um, the consistency and the low stress, uh, that's what I would really strive for. And maybe the, that will go hand in hand with bigger green days. And I guess we'll just find out. Okay, so uh, that's it for today. I hope you guys all have a great weekend and uh, you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Trades. All right, I'll see you all first thing on Monday morning. Thanks, guys. Let's be honest, if you made it this far, you must have really enjoyed that video. So what's stopping you? Subscribe right here and get email alerts anytime I upload new content. Until then, happy surfing!